Protecting Your Online Identity, Episode 96 of the Social Workers Rise podcast. Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine, here. So this summer, I took a little break, and man, it has been really eventful this summer in the world of social work and mental health. And this episode specifically is going to be referencing one of those dramas that happened, specifically with CareDash. And we're not here to bash CareDash. We're really here to have a conversation about how you can be protecting your online identity as a clinician and mental health professional. Because in this role, you are trying to get clients, let's be honest. Uh, A lot of times, especially if you're in private practice, you want to have a good public image. Um, especially when someone looks you up online, they want to know that what they're finding is true and accurate. The problem with CareDash is that they are a directory who was not giving true and accurate information. It was misleading potential clients and almost catfishing them if they're trying to work with you and then they say, oh, here's another person that could help you because we don't actually know this person. But we're going to get into the nitty gritty about what happened this summer and what was the responses from our big organizations and what was the outcome. There's actually, you know, an ending to the story that is, yeah, I'm okay with it. Still not great, but I'm okay with it. So definitely listen to the end to hear what the outcome was from all of our advocacy. And with this, we're going to be talking with Dr. Mack. Now, Dr. Mack is a licensed psychologist with experiences in a variety of settings, including hospitals, corrections, and private practice. She also runs Revealing the Ivory Tower podcast. Additionally, it's a movement to teach the nuance in mental health and psychology in a fun way while also holding systems accountable. So, Let's hop right into this episode after our sponsor, our ad from our sponsor, The Rise Directory. This episode is proudly brought to you by The Rise Directory, a national directory of clinical supervisors who are dedicated to helping the next generation of clinical social workers grow in their clinical skills. The link is in the show notes. Check it out and tell every clinical supervisor you know about this directory. Hello and 
welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. We are here with our guest, Dr. Mack. Welcome, Dr. Mack. I'm so excited to have you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so today we're going to dive into the drama that happened online with a few uh, big organizations, big therapy organizations that were, I feel like they were catfishing a lot of uh, would-be people who are looking for therapy, which finding therapy is difficult in itself, but um, for them to be using these types of marketing techniques that we're going to talk about in a little bit and essentially be catfishing people is just so messed up. Extremely, extremely. So I found you actually by your reel on Instagram, uh, revealing the ivory tower pod and you did a spicy Thursday, which I love. So can you give us a recap of, you know, what the heck happened? Yes. So the National Association of Social Workers, I believe, was the first organization out of all the therapy licensure organizations came out with a statement basically letting people know that CareDash, which is sort of a Yelp for all kinds of healthcare providers, not just therapists, but it could be a primary care doctor, et cetera. And they had created ghost profiles, basically these fake profiles of therapists that had not signed up for that directory, not affiliated with them without their knowledge, often with incorrect information as well. So that's problematic on its own because people are thinking maybe that, for example, you or I specialize in something that we don't or our education level isn't correct or a location, that stuff wasn't necessarily accurate. The other piece is that CareDash was creating these profiles in order to then funnel people looking for therapy to their BetterHelp affiliate therapist because BetterHelp obviously the biggest online therapy platform and CareDash had, had, I'll say past tense, an affiliate partnership where BetterHelp would pay CareDash whatever amount that they were paying them to market. And so what would happen is that your name, my name would be on this profile that's likely incorrect without our knowledge. And then let's say that someone else is looking for a therapist. They're looking at this directory for potential reviews. And maybe they see our profile and they think, oh, I want to go schedule with that person. Well, because we don't have an account with CareDash, what would happen is CareDash basically said, well, there's no way to schedule with Dr. Mac, for example. So instead, we can get you connected with some of these therapists at the bottom that are all better help affiliate therapists. So on the one hand, there was concern with multiple organizations after the spread word that the information was inaccurate. It was happening without therapist knowledge and the kind of deceptive marketing practices that were happening there where they're prioritizing the better help therapists instead of us. And then they took it a step farther refused to take those profiles down initially saying that this is all public information. We have 
licensure, board information, a lot of this you could technically get from public registries and things like that. And so that was their argument initially is that, well, we got this legally, we filed FOIA requests, it's easily accessible, so we're not taking this down. So that's kind of where it started. Yes, yes. And uh, the other problem that I saw too is if you are looking for a therapist, like say I saw you or you know I came to know your name, maybe a friend referred you, and I want to look up Dr. Mac. And if that website comes up in my search, then yeah, it's very misleading and confusing to people because most people seeking out therapy aren't in the mental health space. You know, they don't know the little nuances mm -hmm. and it's confusing. It is so confusing. And especially when you're struggling with some sort of mental health condition or you need extra support, you just don't have the time or the patience or the energy to try to figure it out. So that was the part that really got me. And the ironic part about all this is that CareDash has in their mission about them wanting to be a trustworthy organization, mm -hmm. which after this, I would never trust them to, to represent me or to be on their website. Like, uh, no way. No, I did a deep dive and I found the person that started the company who's no longer with Caradash, who's actually with the Better Business Bureau, which I thought was really interesting because Better Business Bureau got flooded with a lot of complaints about this whole entire fiasco that happened. And yeah, the trustworthiness, the transparency, it's kind of displayed all over Caradash's website about these are our values. This is, you know, what we care about. And obviously that's extremely deceptive marketing. And I found the affiliation between them and it's listed on their website, but it's not transparently displayed. You have to actually search for it. And so, yeah, there was a lot of irony there. And it was not surprising to me that when I went on Caradash's website, the board of directors, the president, et cetera, all these people are for usual these days, big tech is entering mental health, is entering health. And there are a lot of pros to that, a lot of possibilities. There's this piece though, where we have ethics, strong ethics that we have to follow. And so that kind of deception piece and that lack of transparency, not only going against the values, but maybe a lack of understanding on their part that, you know, we actually do have to put on the brakes. This isn't only a business. We all, we have to balance these other pieces as well. Right. And then there's the piece where you're marketing mental health professionals, which do have the ethics, but then this company CareDash, they're not necessarily a mental health organization. Right. So that's where it's confusing to, you know, to me, cause I'm thinking, you know, we have our marketing requirements and I'm familiar with the ones here in California about how you have to, you know, disclose um, just like, it can't be misleading, right? Like flyers or things on social media can't be misleading. However, for a tech company, there's not those same rules. You can't take away their license, you know? So if yeah. I'm, if, and then, and then now if I'm affiliated with, or if I'm, if they think I'm affiliated with a website who is deceptively marketing and not telling it, 
potential clients everything that they need to know about me or disclosures, then would that get me in trouble? You know, how does that impact our license? And not necessarily with CareDash at this moment, but this is not going to be the last time that we have to experience this. No, no, not at all. And I know that BetterHelp got rid of that affiliation after it was brought to their attention. Interestingly, though, on the website, when I found the affiliation that CareDash and BetterHelp have had, past tense, because they stopped that very quickly once they realized there's a lot of negative pushback here, because again, BetterHelp is also not run by people in the mental health field, that partnership had actually been in place since 2020. So the because I was not familiar with CareDash, so I had no idea. So the question is, how long had this actually been happening? Had this actually had that particular marketing approach been happening since 2020? And we just got wind of that. And National Association of Social Workers and then APA and all these other people found out. Or was this a shift recently? And then, yeah, so there were a lot of questions as well for better help and, and what their knowledge or insight was into, like how CareDash was marketing. Obviously, they're two separate companies, but that was the question that a lot of people had there as well. But BetterHelp did act very swiftly and stopped that partnership. But there are other ones like ZocDoc still has a partnership with them. Right, right. And what was the response? I mean, we talked a little bit about the response of the leadership organizations, but it seems like they were really instrumental in getting this addressed relatively quickly. I mean, the, the quickest I've seen the move on, on a topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Usually it takes a while to, <laughs> to get any movement with these big organizations, but yeah. So I believe it started with the National Association of Social Workers and then APA, American Psychological Association hopped on as well. And it wasn't publicly released, but the president or CEO, I can't remember which one I'll have to double check, forgive me if I'm misquoting, but of APA actually took it very personally and kind of included that in this letter to psychologists that are members because his information was on there and it was incorrect. And something we haven't mentioned is that it also included people that were deceased. And so his, the president or whoever of APA, his dad was also a psych, I think actually a medical provider maybe or something and was deceased and his information was still on there. So it was, it was all of this together. And so it was a mix of NASW, APA, they partnered up and I believe attempted to take legal action in the form of cease and desist letters. They I think we're in communication with the Federal Trade Commission. They were encouraging people as well, like individual therapists to file complaints with their respective state boards, with the state attorney general's office. There are a lot of different ways to kind of file those complaints to uh, on multiple levels, which was nice, kind of a multi-pronged approach to this. Yes, definitely. I remember getting an email from another organization, the Association of Clinical Social Workers, and they sent out a really helpful overview of what was going on and a template for what you can do and how to contract the FTC to file a complaint. 
And I think that was really helpful because, I mean, as therapists, we don't have time to research this and figure out who we're supposed to contact. So for them to just straight send out that template and say, hey, email these people uh, was super helpful. And I, I think that also went a really long way too in helping us, you know, just advocate and be the voice that we need. Cause I know I was listed on there. So I definitely sent in, you know, my letters and what I needed to do. Were you listed on there? I actually was one of the few that was not listed on there. And I had mixed feelings about that because I thought, wait a minute, what does that say about me that I'm actually not listed on there? But of course, a lot of relief on my end that I was not listed on there, but so many people that I knew were and I sent them their profiles from Caridad. Hey, it's Catherine here. I hope you are enjoying this episode. We're going to take a quick break to listen to these ads from our sponsors. If you're planning to take the BBS Law and Ethics exam, the ASWB Master's or Clinical Licensure exam, or if you're studying for the MFT exam, then you need a proven program that can help you understand the exam questions and pass with confidence. If this is you, I highly recommend the Therapist Development Center. I personally use TDC to pass my law and ethics and clinical exams and found the program provided me with everything I needed to pass with confidence. TDC's program integrates various ways of learning in an organized fashion containing all of the information you need to pass without the overwhelm. And now, bonus, TDC is also offering a library of continuing education courses that fulfill your license renewal requirements and will support you in your career development. If this sounds like something that you need, visit their website, therapistdevelopmentcenter.com and use the code SWRISE10 at checkout to receive 10% off any of their CE courses including their brand new course, On the Edge of Life, an Introduction to Suicidality. You can also check out the link in the show notes. Do you love horses, nature, and being outside? Do you dream of having a successful career working with horses and helping humans? Horse Therapy Center of Canada provides certification and professional training to mental health professionals like you who want to launch a business or career in equine assisted therapy with three different delivery methods. You can become an equine assisted therapist in as little as four days for social workers, rise podcast listeners like you, my friend, horse therapy center of Canada is offering you up to $700 off of their certification and training programs. So don't wait, start your career in equine assisted therapy and learning today, check the show notes for how you can get started. Just an impressively swift action from multiple, like you said, multiple organizations. I think some various states and their licensing boards also were considering taking action as well. Yes, very, very. I mean, I feel like within a month, this was changed. This all happened so fast. Uh, but that it leads me to think, you know, this isn't going to be the last time like men mental health and technology are integrated now. 
And also to us as therapists, as private practice owners, as our own individuals, we do have an online presence and a brand to manage. So, you know, I'm wondering what can we do to help protect ourselves, our identities, so that we are able to be easily found by clients or that so we aren't, you know, being falsely misrepresented. Do you have any insight on that? Yeah, it's a really good point. There has been a lot of discussion recently because Amazon bought One Medical and Apple's now looking to enter the healthcare space, these big tech companies, because there's a lot of room for innovation. If we're being honest, we, we really do need it. And that would be a huge benefit. The question though is, because like you said, there isn't that ethical piece that necessarily is maybe salient in their minds. If we're running it more like a business, then we don't have to kind of have those, those constraints. And so it doesn't seem to be a concern now, but Amazon's already mentioned in their primary care clinics, they're hoping to offer therapy. So the question is, okay, that's great. Since Amazon offers a lot of different services and has their hands in a lot of different things, how do we know that our information is not being sold somewhere? Like, how do we know that that information will be kept confidential? Our clients' information, that's like up, upholding one of the most important aspects of our job. So I think one thing is, are there mental health providers that are being consulted and being woven in, or even medical professionals, because they have similar ethics as far as confidentiality and similar concerns there as well. So who's running the company? A lot of times it is big tech people. What kind of services are they offering? For example, if we look at simple practice or therapy notes, I mean, that is tech stuff that actually really made things a lot easier for people in private practice, you're everything's streamlined. You can schedule people, you can do your documentation, you have your calendar all in this one program, which is really amazing. And it's has higher security because of that. So there are a lot of adjunct things, kind of peripheral things that can help make our jobs easier. The question though, is more when it relates to direct client care. So obviously record keeping is a big one looking up a lot of things about that, definitely hearing from other therapists. Are there lawsuits pending right now? Are they offering virtual therapy? I'm super hesitant to offer virtual therapy through any of the big tech platforms that have entered the space because again, the ethical piece. And so, yeah, being very, very mindful of essentially what is the service that they're offering us? Is it something peripheral? Peripheral? Is it a transcription service that makes our jobs easier? Scheduling, all those different things. I think I've seen one recently that is supposed to be a service specifically for accounting for people or a way to kind of have a directory for people to do consultations for other therapists. That kind of thing seems a lot less of a risk to my clients than if I'm offering virtual care. I would also look at, of course, always the fine print. Is this company requiring me to do things that other companies would not be requiring me to do that are actually being run by people in, in the mental health care space or healthcare space? For example, am, am I getting compensated 
equitably. That's the inherent dilemma that that has been the problem is we need more equitable access to care. The problem then is if we offer that, we're not compensating our therapists really well. And so then we may have to kind of double up on caseloads. There's a lot of burnout there. We may not be able to see people as frequently as we would like. So how do we find that balance? What are their policies working there? For example, how often am I required to communicate with clients between sessions? What do promotions for me look like? Do I get bonuses? What exactly is being reinforced for me here? Is it that I need to constantly be in communication with clients? Is it that I'm not providing the highest quality care that I could be providing? Those would be kind of some red flags. What is the culture here? And yeah, money speaks. So what what are the things that they're really pushing for us, kind of speaking through promotions or bonuses or things like that? And again, I randomly will look for lawsuits, complaints. I look at the Better Business Bureau website and see what complaints are on there, especially from clients. So when I was looking on there about some of the bigger online therapy spaces, it wasn't the therapists that were on there. And I know that that's kind of the counterpoint is that, no, 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 it's therapists. They're speaking negatively. If you go on the Better Business Bureau, it's there. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments of they weren't contacted. They they fell through the cracks. They were in crisis and never followed up on, which we can't do that. That's abandonment. That's awful. You can't just screen someone and then just let them go and be like, I can't help you and not connect them. So I would want to hear that from the client perspective as well. And of course, mine, like CareDash, right? It's listing things that are inaccurate about me. So kind of weighing all these things. I feel like that was a long-winded answer, but there are a lot of different ways. I would definitely suggest Better Business Bureau. What are people saying on Twitter or online? What are the complaints? What, what's the client experience like? What's the therapist experience like? The fine print, who's running the company and kind of reading between the lines to kind of summarize that. <laughs> Right. So a lot of different aspects to consider, and it does take some research and a little bit of time, uh, but definitely worth it. And I would, I know what I do is I will Google my name every once in a while and just see what pops up. Um, if there's any weird websites, you know, look at that. Um, I'm willing to bet that this has been going on for a long time. It's just and therapists probably knew about it. It's just, you know, what do you do about it? So I am glad that there was a response now. And once we became aware of it, that's one good thing that we are good about is if there is a situation that comes up that is going to affect our clients, we are definitely there ready to advocate. Um, if it's for our own well-being, like fair compensation, you know, that's a whole nother topic that we need to work on. Yes. Um, I had a, I remember I was different, I was interviewing for different companies and one company said, you know, they require a licensed clinical social worker and will reimburse you for $35 an hour. And I'm like, that's really, really not very much. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. That's, that's, that's not mm -mm. gonna work for me. I'm sorry. I mean, cause the, the going rates I've seen are, I mean, at least like 50, 60 bucks an hour. Um, and this was a big company, so it's no wonder that they're able to market 
and have all these headhunter recruiters working for them because if they're paying $35 an hour, they're getting what, 150, 200 from the insurance per hour. Lots, lots of profit there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's a question is, I mean, yes, there's, it's probably well-intentioned people are entering the space and we do need the innovation and we inherently still have this huge dilemma. The question is, who are the right companies to address that? And do they understand where that line is that we can't cross and they should not cross? Yeah. And definitely an opportunity for us as therapists and mental health professionals to make ourselves available for consultations, to see if there's uh, jobs available and to have our voices heard to be at the table. Absolutely. So one last question for you. I really want to hear about your podcast, Revealing the Ivory Tower, which is an interesting name of itself. Uh, What is it about? How did you come up with the name? Yeah, so science communication has been an emerging field, particularly on social media, basically just breaking down these really complex, jargon-heavy topics. We want to get rid of that aspect. For example, I love hidden brain, but it's really hard for me to listen to that and keep my attention going. On the other hand, there's a lot of misinformation. And so it's kind of addressing both sides. It's addressing the issues that we have in ivory tower, AKA academia, where we're in our bubble. We're not always on the ground working, especially in therapy, especially in psychology, people doing the research are not necessarily directly helping clients. So kind of living in a bubble there and also not being able to explain these things in a way that anyone can understand, which is important because the entire reason we do research is for the general public, whether we like it or not, and fighting that misinformation. And so I do a lot of spicy posts as well, calling out various systems. And so a lot of, okay, we're going to talk about influencers that are spreading misinformation because they're really good at marketing and they want you to buy their product. On the other hand, I also recognize that academics can be really condescending and not super helpful in the way that they communicate and address things. So trying to kind of bridge the gap there. Awesome. How long have you been doing uh, your podcast for? Yeah. So I've been doing the podcast for two years. I don't think I've had my Instagram up for that long, but yes. So a lot of different, a lot of different experts kind of come on and I try to switch it up a little bit. We try to make it fun. And then the Instagram really is beyond that. It's, we're kind of neat. We need, it's trying to make nuance more attractive to people because it's really hard to capture nuance on social media. And so it's really tricky. It's, Hey, we can call out a wellness influencer and we can call out academia. We don't have this either or black and white thinking. We can actually do both. And so really trying to do that. It's super challenging. I'm still getting the hang of it. I I think it's a work in progress. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, definitely follow Dr. Mac on uh, Revealing the Ivory Tower pod, right? Is that your handle? The, yeah. The pod? Okay. Um, tag us in it. If you're listening to this episode, go ahead and share it in your stories. We love it. Um, anything else, Dr. Mac, that you feel is important we should cover or talk about today? I don't think so. I think we covered pretty much the basics and the recent fiasco that happened. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. And oh my gosh, we didn't even say like the best part is that they fixed it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you said that to me earlier, actually, that it's so recent that that came up. Yes. So it is, we're recording on August 19, 2022. And they released a statement on Twitter saying that they have update, they have listened to the audience and they have really cleaned up the website essentially to make it where it's less, less tricky. It's definitely more clear that the therapist is not associated with their website, but that it's there as a public information type of um, type of profile. So I'm really impressed with the way that they fixed it. I mean, they still have the directory of of licensed, you know, therapists and doctors and everything, but um, they did make it much more clear. So I was really glad to see that there was actually a um, a result or kind of the end of this story, this little chapter of the story, um, with good news. Yeah. You know, when you're facing a ton of lawsuits and legal actions, that can be really persuasive <laughs> to finally change that because their tune was not, not that way at first. So I'm glad that everyone joined together and got them to fix this. Yeah. Cause at first they were kind of like, F you. We're keeping oh, it. Yeah, it was very much. <laughs> I don't care. And then BetterHelp realized, ooh, this is a bad PR move. So no, no, no. We're separating from them immediately. That was a very smart move to make. And I imagine that CareDash, I don't know. Again, I don't know how much they were being paid, but it, it had to have been a decent amount of money that they lost just from that affiliation. So sure. it was, yeah, smart move to finally give in and change that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's interesting, you know, as, as a directory owner, cause I have the rise directory and we have good intentions. Like our intentions is actually to connect the supervisees with the clinical supervisors and vice versa. However, their directory, the care dash directory seems to be a funnel for affiliations and to make money. Yep. And so yeah. it's, it's um, that little nuance. I mean, they're the ones that give directories a bad name because they just, they set this up and they say, oh, if we can get people to click and we can refer them out, uh, then we make money. And so it's not, it's not even really, it's like a weird way of them help quote, helping people. I don't know, just yeah. read me the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, think of psychology today, probably the biggest directory. I mean, obviously it has its own issues, but it's legitimately a directory where you search for people, they intentionally put their information on there. So that way you can navigate through it. Like you said, this was sort of meant to be a review site. Really, they are using deceptive marketing tactics. And like you said, people don't know that when they're kind of searching through it. So yeah, I'm glad some changes were made. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Mack. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, please open up your iTunes, tap the five stars, and leave a short note on why you love listening to the Social Workers Rise podcast. 
Also, if you want to share it on social media, I absolutely love it. You have me fangirling all over you. Take a screenshot and share it and tag me at Social Workers Rise on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, just want to leave a little bit of legal disclosure here that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in the Social Workers Rise podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done so at your own risk. This podcast should not be used in place of professional advice, therapy, or clinical supervision. And with that, my friends, I'll talk to you next week.